was home studying most of the time, but I did during lunchtime watch a little bit of uh, College Game Day, which is just a, a program that talks about college football and all the different teams in the United States, different conferences and things. But between that, you get the news and other stuff. But I'm just aware because uh, I don't watch the news a lot. It's just really kind of depressing, but there's a lot of concern going on. I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about, a lot to be concerned about. Things are just, um, the Bible talks about wearing out the saints, and I guess that would happen when you, when you, when the, when the, the, the laws, the walls of righteousness seem to be crumbling, and there seems to be, integrity seems to be something that people laugh at now, and there's just a, 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 an onslaught of, uh, wickedness and, and open rebellion and lawlessness and stuff, it seems to be really kind of scary. And yet we know who's on the throne. We know that everything is under his control. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we're going to be uh, fed or not suffer anything. We will probably suffer like everybody else will. But it does mean that there is something on the other side, that the Lord is in charge. And uh, that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking of that in our text today, you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians. In our text today, um, our, our focus, the main focus is going to be on verse 12, but uh, because Paul in writing to the church at Colossians mentions in verse 12, the giving of thanks to the Father, it got my attention as I began to look at this, reverted back to verse one, or verse two and three of chapter one, where um, Paul writes that he's writing to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God the Father. We give thanks to God the Father for our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And so two places, three places here, he's talking about God the Father, and he's talking about giving thanks. And I want to do that before we start. But we're thankful because, at least I am, because I know that God is in charge. And that while things may seem to be somewhat chaotic, and they are, there is a lot of, of violence, a lot of rebellion, a lot of... of lawlessness and uh, there's a lot of corruption that is going on and all those things take place but at the same time God is on the throne and uh, he looks after us and he makes sure that uh, his his work the way he what he wants to do will prosper and I I think actually that we at this church are in a pretty good position of being able to face these times because we, we don't have any massive debt and we're not so big that we are drawing the attention of a lot of people, but yet we're here. The people know us in the community and they have questions or problems which they're going to have. They know where to come. And so we want to be faithful to that. And we've got these two kids, Patrick and uh, what was the name? Kate. 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 Yeah, we need to, to visit them. We need to get in touch with them and also Anna and others. We need to, we need to keep in touch with these kids because they are their responsibility. And, uh, but we, we want to be an answer to a world that has questions and that's a world that's seeking. And so 
Uh, we in prayer for that. We'll be in prayer that, uh, that the Lord who is in charge right now will reign in this uh, situation and that he'll use us. That's what I, I want to be used of him. I don't want to be a distraction. And I was talking about that to the Lord, that I, that I can look at my relations sometimes with people uh, both here at work and with my friends, and I can see sometimes I feel like I'm more of a distraction rather than encouragement, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a distraction. I want to be an encouragement and point people to the Savior, and that's not going to happen if I'm I'm not seeking Him and not living for Him and serving Him. That's very important. So those are the things that I'm thinking about. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on this time, and then we'll look briefly at His Word. Dear Father, we are very needy people, and um, we're living in a world that is really struggling with answers and problems. And while we we have the answer, we can't always articulate that answer at the right time, at the right moment, using the right words. We don't think about it sometimes until after we walk away from the scene. And yet at the same time, you know our hearts and you know our desires and the people that we're talking to can see our hearts. And so um, I pray that you'll help us to be faithful in our culture, in our circumstances, in our life, in our walk with you. And I pray, I particularly pray that you'd help me to be not a hypocrite. I'm a pastor of a church and people see me up here and boy, it's easy to make people think that you've got it all together, which is the truth. And so I just, I pray that you'll help all of us to really be transparent and uh, to be genuine. Thank you so much for your love for us. And thank you for the forgiveness of sin and the restoration of fellowship and the purposes that are bigger than ourselves. So that when we get up in the morning, I just, I got up real early this morning, not by choice. I just woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. But you, you think about the reason for being here and it's good when you get up to have a reason for being here. And so I pray that you'll help us to know more about the reason why we're here and how we can fulfill that purpose so that in, in the scheme of eternity, uh, this church will contribute exactly as you wanted to contribute and intend for us to, to display the things that need to be displayed and do the things that need to be done and say the things that need to be said and oppose the things that need to be opposed and encourage the things that need to be encouraged and help us to be a voice that's clear to exalt you and to magnify you and to glorify your name and not to be concerned so much about what people think about what we look like or how we sound or the size or anything but just to, to really seek to honor you help us to do that and this morning as we're looking at this passage in in colossians um Lord, I'm not really sure the best way to go through this, but I pray that you'll guide our thoughts in it and that the Lord Jesus would would have your his way with us and that you would be speaking to us. And I just thank you again for this time and thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. And I pray in Jesus' name and thanksgiving. Amen. Well, um, we start out, the text that we're looking at, Paul is expressing his heart of gratitude. To, about the church, the church at Colossae, the church that he didn't start 
Epaphras was the one that that took the message to, uh, to the church back home to his home town at Colossa and to the, the believers that came to, or the people that came to know the Lord there and formed the little church. But Paul has heard of some problems that they're going, that they're having, probably through Epaphras. And so he's now writing this letter to the church and he's expressing to them his gratitude for what's going on. And he prays that the gospel that has begun to, to uh, take root in that church would produce fruit in the lives of the people. Just like we're praying here that, that the gospel doesn't leave us stale or comfortable or happy. I mean, the truth is, the truth is we like our comfort. I like my comfort. And I, I like being able to sit down at a nice table and eating a big meal. I don't know why I always think about food, but that's one of the things that marks comfort. Or be able to watch a good Alabama game that my daughter-in-law could care nothing. That would be the closest thing to suffering to her for having to watch a football game. But I enjoy that. But you know, we like comfort. I do, and I like the, the ease and stuff. I, I like uh, being able to. My car is a nice running car, despite what Larry thinks, and uh, I enjoy taking it out and and going places with it. It's very, it's it's good good riding car. Peter can test that. He's driven it several times. He always tries to find reasons to drive it. So anyway, it's that's just we have a lot. I like comfort. I like ease, and I uh, like things that are that are kind of stroking you like that and, and stuff but that doesn't glorify the Lord it really doesn't and it doesn't really help our growth uh, I'm finding out and we've been looking at it in Sunday school class as well that suffering is the time that God is really shouting at us that's that's when he's really speaking it's, it's microphone and he uses the pressures trials the hardships the struggles of life to get our attention and I think it's because we are so preoccupied with self that we don't listen until begin ourself begins to suffer and to hurt a little bit. So here's this church. Paul is praying for the church that in there that this gospel would produce fruit in their lives and that they might be controlled with knowledge. Actually, uses the word full knowledge, epignosis, which is a an experiential knowledge. Um, and that they would have this knowledge of his will, his purpose for them, which is a good thing to have. It's nice to know what God wants you to do. Nice to know what God has in store for you. And I would encourage you, if you haven't had a serious time with the Lord, to ask him what, uh, not just about getting married. That's a nice thing that you're getting married, but to know what his will is for your life and what he wants you to do with your life and and what can you do to contribute. I've, I have uh, been recently thinking some interesting thoughts about working with people I, we meet at the Ramble with a guy that's over the rescue mission, and uh, he, and we've had several testimonies of people that have gone through some emotional struggles. And that's got me thinking seriously about trying to work with people that have struggles like this, because there's a there's some pretty heavy things going on uh, that that I've been bombarded with in the last uh, maybe last month through testimonies of people that are very good people. Uh, very genuine, real, and yet they have families, close family and relatives that are struggling, even suicidal, some pretty serious things. And so these are areas that need attention. 
And the solution we have, we have the solution. And I know that. And so I've just been, really been thinking about these kinds of things and stuff. And so Paul is praying for this church that they would have a knowledge of God's will and an expanding knowledge of, their, of his will to them. And that that would develop into wisdom and understanding in the spiritual realm. That they would have spiritual wisdom. Wisdom being the ability to handle life and to deal with it. And understanding is the logic to know how to intelligently put these things together and apply them and work them into your life. I don't do that very well at times, and it needs to be done. It's a good thing to do that. And so he's praying that they would have that full knowledge and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, which would enable them to walk, uh, that's their daily life, in keeping with the greatness of the Lord who called them. They would to be seeking ways to please him, which we don't do. We don't seek, at least I don't, I seek ways to please myself. But God is, is, the Lord has told us that uh, he's changing our heart. Um, the salvation, we're talking about the Lord speaking to Lazarus and calling him forth, and that miracle was an instant miracle. Uh, the miracle we see today is the miracle of salvation. And that really is the greatest miracle that we can experience on the planet. When a person genuinely becomes a believer, they, they heart changes their passions change their desires change all of a sudden the the pocketbook ceases to be the dominant thing in their lives and comfort ceases to be the thing dominant thing in their lives and they put jesus first and uh jesus tells us in luke 14 to count the cost it says uh nobody can be my disciple who's not who doesn't put him before mother father sister wife and brothers and all these other things that's a heavy cost that's a hard cost that's a tough cost and yet that's the cost of discipleship. And the Lord says, no man can do my, be my disciple who, who doesn't do that. Um, then who wants to follow, follow me? Then deny himself. And follow me. Exactly like those two things. Like taking up his cross means dying himself. So here's Paul praying for this church that it would enable them to please him and to bear fruit in every good work while continuing to grow in this knowledge of God and displaying this power and this patience with people around them, enduring long suffering and stuff like that. And joyfully, here's the verse that we're looking at, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Joyfully expressing thanks to the Father um, who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. And that's, I guess what kind of got me started on this thing because of the depressing the events that are going on around us. We're looking at the, the events around us. We see the things that are happening and the things that are happening are not fun. And we pray on Wednesday night. We pray about our country and stuff like that. And we always pray for the people and power and stuff like that. <laughs> But there is kind of a, a subliminal air of bitterness about those who are just destroying the country. We just, it's hard not to, it's really hard to pray for people that you know are your enemies and that they're destroying you. And yet the Bible tells us exactly to do that. Pray for your enemies and pray for those who, who persecute you and despitefully use you and say things that are not true about you, lie about you, and pray for them. Uh, and what if the one that comes to know the Lord and Jesus Christ is exalted to that? 
that would be good. That's not bad that, that he joins the team. And so uh, we, we just wanted to, to stop here at this verse and talk about this for a few minutes. And I think what I want to do is I want to first of all just look at the word father because that's such a good good term. We don't, we don't, I don't know if you've had a, a real good father. I, I had a father that was, he was a good man. He, he did struggle with alcohol, but he was a good man. And I loved him. I tried to be, I didn't like to be around him when he was drinking and stuff like that. He was not a perfect, perfect man, but a good father is something that's very valuable. And a lot of kids, a lot of kids don't have anything like that. They don't know what it's like. And we, we deal with that at camp. Uh, we have a lot of kids that, that uh, and I'm sure Dennis has stories of stories too, of kids that come from single parent families and parents are in prison and stuff and they don't have anybody, they haven't had anybody that really cares for them or takes time for them or whatever. And uh, a good father is a thing to treasure. And the Bible uses that term to describe God and describe us. There's several things that uh, that it uses one of the one of the places ways it uses the word father is just as a regular father remember in matthew 8 21 uh someone jesus was talking about people following him and he said well let me first go and bury my father that's my earthly father let me let me go and bury him actually he was he said let me kind of let him grow up and then die and then i'll bury him then i'll come follow you but that's that's the word that's used that's the word for my my father and um Sometimes the word is, I'm getting a little technical now, but sometimes the word is used to speak of both parents. For example, in Hebrews 11.23, when, it, when the, the, the passage says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. That word parents is actually father. Father, hid by his father. But it was actually, it's, it's not... It's not a stretch to say that it's this speaking, speaking of both parents. Both of them were involved in this together. They were raising their Moses together and they uh, hid him together. So it's, it's, but it's, that's the way that it's used sometimes. Uh, it's also uh, used to speak of a distant progenitor, not just necessarily my father now, but uh, a different father, I mean, a distant father, the Jews used that in John uh, when they said, Abraham is our father. They were not talking about that Abraham was their direct father, but he was their, their great, great, great grandfather, and we worship him and we acknowledge him and so on and so forth. Um, another one is the woman at the well. Uh, she was a Samaritan, um, but she talked about our fathers worshiped in this mountain and new people say that Jerusalem is the place to worship. And so that here is a word, here's the word father is used sometimes as a, as a forefather, you see somebody's distance. So these are, these are, um, these, these are important ways where it's used in scripture. Sometimes it's also used metaphorically, um, in, in uh, Romans 4, I'm just trying to pick verses that illustrate this. Romans 4, uh, it says that, that it's talking about Abraham and the circumcision and so on and so forth. And it said that, that um, Abraham might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. In other words, he, he believed and had faith in God before he was circumcised. And he, he now sets kind of the 
the mark, and there are many believers that follow in his wake or in his train, and he's sort of the forerunner of that. And that's the way it's used. Also used in a negative way. Um, if you remember in John 8, 44, Jesus told the Jews that you're of your father, the devil, which which is, say, is basically saying that you have the characteristics of your father, and you're a liar like your father, and you're a schemer like your father, and you're following him, uh, you're of your father, the devil, and uh, he was a murderer from the beginning, he does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him, and whatever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, he is a liar and the father of lies. You're following him, you're following up to him. That's a pretty strong review, um, but you can see uh, what it what says and how it applies there. That's 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 an, that's an important. Uh, other other places, um, Jesus said something I think is very interesting in Matthew 23 9. He said, "Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven." And what he's saying there it sounds kind of contradictory at first because we do have fathers and we do call our fathers fathers, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But he's talking about the Jewish people there who are scheming and wicked. You remember, I was thinking about this, that uh, in the book of Acts, they had the first Jerusalem council. And in the Jerusalem council, they were making, a, there was a big debate going on about whether a believer, Gentile, needed to keep the Mosaic law and be circumcised before he could become a believer. And that became a debate. It sounds kind of strange because we, kind of being independent churches, don't think of a big council like that. But the, the, the Lord does raise up uh, leaders in churches and people uh, to kind of set the doctrinal stage. If they, and remember, it was about two or three years before the church really established the doctrinal truth that Jesus is God, deity. It took a while for that to kind of settle and work its way into the, the churches. They they talked about it and stuff like that. You see what I'm saying? It was not an instant thing. and uh, But the church council are good things. But suppose you get some people in the council, like you have in the Jewish system in Jerusalem, that were wicked and scheming, and they were ready to crucify the Messiah. You don't want to follow that. You don't want to let those kinds of people call them father and look up to them and put them on a pedestal and emulate them because they're wicked. And so that's what he's talking about here. You don't, you have to be a little bit, you have to be picky and not, and not be deceived like that. So anyway, this is, um, these are some of the ways that the word is used. Uh, Jesus used the word father as the father of all men in Ephesians chapter three. For this reason, I bow the knee before the father. Paul is doing that, not Jesus. And uh, I think of the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus told the disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. And so we refer to God as our Father. Um, and uh, it's a very, it's, it's, a, it's a term that I understand the Jews don't use very much when they refer to God. They don't refer to him as Father. In Romans 8, 15, one verse that I can't pass over, talking about the intimacy of, because this is, a, this is an intimate relationship. If we refer to God as our Father, we are referring to him in very, very intimate terms. 
And in Romans 8, 15, uh, Paul writes, you have not received the spirit, again, of slavery. What is a slave? A slave is a person who is owned. Uh, a slave is a person who, who uh, doesn't always necessarily tremble when his master walks in, but the slave, if you, you, when you're working at a job and you see the boss coming around, you kind of make sure that you're busy. You look, look busy. If you don't have anything to do, you try to find something to do and to, to, to look busy or whatever. And it's kind of the same thing, slaves, when the master walks in, you sort of fear that. But Paul said, you've not received the spirit of slavery, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, by which literally you could say we cry out, Papa. Now, I say that, and I kind of cringe in a way, because that almost sounds very sacrilegious. It almost sounds like this boy needs to, to get a little more serious about his relationship with the Lord. He's too casual. But that word is used intentionally in the scripture to say that we, our relationship with God is a very tender relationship. And you have, I, I think of Brian because Brian is such a big muscular guy and you had this little, little boy that he would pick up and pick up his son and his son would ask him questions, Papa, what do you do this or what do we do that? And you have that relationship, a very loving, loving, tender relationship. This big man having to this little boy, and he's there to protect and provide for him. And that's kind of here. We 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 have this massive, great Lord, this God that is awesome beyond description. And we have a very weak, uh, frail life. But we can come to him in our confusion, and many times we are asking for things, and I've asked him many times that I, have, I know they're not right. I say, Lord, I want this. I just ask you to do this, but if it's your will, close the door, and he closes the door. But he is merciful and gracious, and we can come to him. We can call up, as the children did, to Jesus, come up to him in his lap, so that when he is blessing the children, and, and uh, laid, he laid his hands on them. He's accessible. And uh, he is, he is uh, tender, and he's loving, and he's caring. And so uh, these, are, these are words that are used. And so when we use this word Father in our text, and I'm going to finish up on that thing. When you use the word Father, we're using a word of tenderness and of gentleness and concern and uh, accessibility. And it's one that is not one that we chose. It's one that he chose that we can use. That, and that's what Jesus said that I ascend to my God and your God and my Father and your Father. And uh, we, we, are, we have that barrier broken down, that middle wall of petition. And so in our, our text back into the book of Ephesians, um, the very first uh, verse is um, that we're looking at, verse 2, the saint is written to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. And he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father. And by the way, the word grace there, I love that word, is benevolent favor. One of the things you get, it's, it's God's riches or Christ, I think righteousness you said at Christ's expense. And it's also an extension of benevolent favor from God to us. I love that idea that, that God, that, that he has favor that he shows to us. We're, we're so unworthy and he's so majestic and so great and so massive and so powerful and so holy and we're not but he still extends his beloved his loving favor to us 
And we need to respond to that because if we don't, he may not, we may never hear his voice again. That's the truth. You can't come when you get ready. You come when he when he calls you. And if you don't come when you call, you may he may never call you again. So it's it's important to respond to him. So here's this verse. Paul says, We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So Paul is thankful to the church and what's going on. And he says that this God, verse 12, which is our text, has qualified that word that he uses there, qualified, has the idea of us or um, enabled us to, to he fit, fitted us to inherit the things of God in, in heaven. The word inherit there carries with it the idea of gaining by lot, maybe being allotted something. It's not something we earned, it's something that he gives us and he has fitted us and equipped us for those, for those things in heaven that, are, that, that we call inheritance or things that are allotted by him. And so here we are struggling now but this is the this is the greatness of this inheritance, and he says it's in the place of light, it's, or with the saints in light. The way the verse ends up, heaven. When you look at Revelation, that's the best vision we have of what it's like in glory, as a place where uh, angels and the beings are all worshiping the Lord and serving Him, and everything is in perfect harmony. Now, I agree that it looks a little weird when you talk about creatures with eyes all around and wings, uh, six wings and several different kinds of heads and things like that. But that's because we're looking at it from the physical realm, not the spiritual realm. If we were in the spiritual realm, it would, it would be majestic and the glorious and beautiful. And uh, so in that sense, in that sphere of light is where we end up. That, that is the place that God's, um, he's qualified us to walk to be uh, there with the saints of light. Remember that Jesus is said to be the light of the world, and yet men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. This is the hard thing. We've got to choose in life. We can't, we can't do both. We can either choose our self-centered living and our will and our desires for ourselves and ignore him, or by his grace, we can begin to really seek his face and turn to him and love him and serve him. And that's what he wants us to do. Uh, Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord. That's my verse, my, my verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, he will reform and remold the desires of your heart so that, you, that it will be pleasing to him. My heart is not pleasing to him. It's pleasing to me. But I want that new heart. I want that transformation that he can promise. So this is important. This is how Paul finishes. And so in spite of the difficulties that we're having today, in spite of the hardships and, and some of the things that are going on, and there are a lot of things that are going on that are discouraging. We are destined to uh, inherit this, this wonderful kingdom of light where we will be with him and be with him forever. And I'm ready. I like that. And I'm, I don't, when I say I'm ready, I don't mean that I'm going to take my own life. I'm not, if they were loading up a bus out here, I would probably wait for the next one. But I'm ready to go. All right, and it's just, just because he's good and he's merciful and he's gracious. So let me, let me close in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for what we looked at today. It wasn't really, I don't think, earth shadowing, just looking at the word Father and seeing how you have 
laid it out in scripture and how important it is. But at the same time, it is staggering to me beyond being able to uh, control my thoughts when I think that you have chosen to use that phrase and that word to describe our relationship with you and your relationship with us. And even you use the same word to describe uh, your relationship to the world, that you are father to the world. And uh, I just am I'm really thankful that you are that kind of God and that you are a merciful and gracious and loving and concerned God. That you're not some kind of mad scientist that we see that wants to, uh, with a pair of tweezers in a petri dish, torture some little bugs around here and, and watch them scramble. But that you're a loving, merciful God and you want to use us to exalt your son and to magnify his name. Help us at this church to do that and uh, overcome the obstacles that I have and that we have and help us to really honor you uh, with everything we have and can and just glorify your name. We, pray. we want to do that. Help us to do that. I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks to you. Amen.